regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I'm Jacques Hopkins, and finally, here with me again is our co-host. How's it going, Dr. K? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing over there? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. It's good to be home. We haven't caught up in many weeks, and for those that have been you know, following along the podcast, I've been on a nice little road trip, but finally back home, getting back into it, been getting back into a normal work routine back here at home. Uh, I'm just kind of reinvigorated and uh, excited to catch up with you as well, David. For sure. So a couple of things I'd like to do with this episode. You know, We're not getting back to the interviews just yet. Probably next week, we'll have a course creator back on where we'll have a conversation with them. But I just kind of want to do a little recap of running the online course business from the road and wanted to, after that, tell a little story. And you don't know everything about this either, about how I almost just quit the online course guy, the online course show. So I want to talk about that a little bit from a couple months ago as well. So let's talk about the trip a little bit. What do you think? Were you following along? I was following along. And yeah, I mean, uh, I enjoyed what you shared, but I think that there's some stories that we haven't heard yet. So I'm excited. Uh, you know, I made a little list of things that I wanted to ask you. And then, uh, yeah, I just got back from a little vacation too. So I was reflecting on our trip and, and had some fun little uh, anecdotes and stories to share. Okay. Where where do you want to start, man? Dude, let's just jump into the funniest or crazy thing or things that happened. I mean, I know that with you being gone for five weeks, like there had to be some stories there. Okay. So there's one story that I, had, I haven't told on the podcast yet. It's a little embarrassing, but it's nothing to be too ashamed of, I don't think. And seasoned RVers and seasoned campers will probably mock me. And, and you know what? I'm okay with that because that's not me. So here's the RV story. So we rented an RV. RV is very generous, right? It's a truck camper. It's literally a Ford F-150 with the camper that's like in the truck bed. So it's nothing huge. And we needed something like that because of car seats. We needed something that was a vehicle plus a camper. But with as little experience that I had with something like this, I didn't necessarily want to pull behind if I could avoid it. So this looked like the perfect combination of everything. And so we had to drive all the way to Las Vegas to rent this thing. So it took like three, four days to get to Las Vegas, but it's okay. Like We made that part of the trip. We stopped in some cool places, uh, Waco, Texas, where uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines' whole thing is. We stopped in Albuquerque and Fort Worth and, and Williams, Arizona on the way there. So we, we rented a Tahoe, a Chevy Tahoe is really nice, like 2020, all the features from Baton Rouge, drove to Las Vegas. Uh, we get to the place to rent the camper. We move everything over. And I start driving through Las Vegas, and our first stop is uh, Zion National Park, which is about three hours away in Utah. And I'm super uncomfortable just because, you know, I used to own a truck, but I've got this truck with this 2,000 pounds on top of me as well. So I'm just like, I'm being very cautious. And I get in the truck, and I'm pretty disappointed right off the bat because it's just not very nice. It's roll up windows, it's there's no features at all, there's no cruise control. Oh, and I'm, yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, we're going to be driving this thing thousands of miles. And 
<laughs> like we and we were spoiled by that brand new Tahoe too. I mean, our family car is a Tahoe, but it's a 2008 Tahoe, 12 years old. So we got to experience for four days this 2020 Tahoe, super nice. And we get in this just bare bones <laughs> Ford F-150 and we're driving through Las Vegas and I'm just like, I'm going fairly slow. I've got my hands clenched on the wheel and all of a sudden I get a sensor, ding, 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 ding. And uh. I see like tire pressure, something, something. I'm like, man, we're on this seven lane wide interstate in Las Vegas. And I'm like, oh, I have a flat tire. This is awful. There's nowhere to pull over. I'm freaking out. And so we find the very next exit and I pull over and it's the strip, the Las Vegas strip. And so I pull off, but instead of turning left on the strip, I just turn right because right turns are far easier. And man, if you take a right right there, it's not a very good part of town. So we drive a little bit further and find somewhere to pull over and compose ourselves. Mostly me needed to be composed. And as it turns out, it's just the sensor that tells you if you have low tire pressure that went off and not actual low tire pressure. So we called them. They're like, well, you can turn around, come back. We can try to fix it. Or you can just go on and know that that sensor is not working. So it didn't start well from the start of having this thing. So we got back on the road. We drove to Zion. We get there. We pull in. Well, actually, we stop at a little grocery store and then we get there and we start setting up. It's the evening. Fridge doesn't work. Oh, no. There's a little wet bath in there. They didn't clean it. It was dirty. Oh, my gosh. And it was just so small for four of us. Like, I could definitely see two people making that work, but there was four of us. And it was just so, so small. Like, literally only one person could stand up at a time inside of there. And so we managed to sleep in it one night. And the next day, we got up. And uh, this is our first day in a national park. And we're in Zion National Park. And we have a bike tour scheduled. And we go do that. And I'm sure you're going to ask, like, what was the favorite thing? you did that that was it the bike tour in zion unbelievable nice. have you have you been to zion before yeah zion is my favorite like southwest like red rock style park it's it's fantastic it's amazing and like the thing to do there is biking as well and i know you're obviously a huge fan of biking mm -hmm. so that was just amazing but we get back and we put the girls down for a nap in the truck camper. It's like 105 degrees outside and we have no shade where we are. So my wife and I are like, get them down. We stand outside. We're like, uh, what do we do now? And so we literally get in the truck and start it because we had nowhere else to go. And so I'm, I look at her. I'm like, babe, if we're going to change anything about our trip, it's got to be right now. We can't just keep going. We're, our schedule says we're driving to Yellowstone the next day, you know, Montana. And so we talk about it. We weigh the pros and cons, this and that. And at the end of the day, what we decided to do was after the girls woke up, we checked into a little lodge and I drove three hours back to Vegas, dropped off the camper and rented a Chevy Suburban. And I got back to them about 1.30 in the morning. And that allowed us to keep our existing itinerary all the same. Then we just switched to a Suburban instead of that truck camper. And we stayed at, at hotels and lodges, which was not our plan because we were trying to have a very you know COVID-friendly trip. And so we stayed mostly at, at places that were outside access that we could get to without having to go through and inside. And, and we always requested ground floor and always wore our masks. And we came out of it uh, very healthy and we're very, very careful. So that's our one night in the RV, quote unquote, on our RV trip that turned into a suburban trip. But it ended up being fantastic. We loved doing the road trip in the suburban and it was an amazing trip overall. Dude, well, that's a, I mean, that's a great call. And you know, 
it was interesting when my wife and I, so we, we went up, we're in Iowa, but we went up to the Great Lakes for six days. And the first day we were sitting in this little outdoor brewery and uh, I was talking with my wife about your trip. And I said, you know, I mean, Jock, in the last couple of months, like he brought in, I mean, essentially a quarter million dollars. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm like, I know who you are and I know that that doesn't really change who you are, but I'm like, there's still, it'd be kind of like, what do you do? And I mean, one of the things is just, it gives you freedom that like, yeah, if things aren't right, I mean, you do have this freedom, not that there was probably a super huge increase in cost, but um, yeah, you definitely made the right call there. <laughs> um, that sounds terrible. Like, I was, if you were going to stay the whole trip in that vehicle, I was going to ask you what you named the vehicle because when you have a car like that and you're doing a cross country trip, you definitely have to name it. I know my friends and I did a cross country trip in this Mazda 626 of mine that was burning. And we named her Shirley because we said, Shirley, she'll make it. And we were constantly giving her pep talks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's, yeah, we, we always name our cars and the truck camper actually came with a name. It was called Ohana from the place okay. that we got it from. But, you know, Ohana didn't stick with us very long. So then we switched to Burb. Nice. We had Burb for a few weeks there. So. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and I said it on the podcast several times during the trip. It's like trips like this are exactly the reason that I wanted to start an online business, the type of business that I did start. Because for five weeks, I worked very, very, very little. And it was a nice break. But at the same time, I also love my work. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting back to work, getting back to interacting with my students, both on the piano side and on the online course side. And it's almost like, I think in the four hour work week, he recommended like mini retirements. And that's certainly not what I did. I think what he recommended was like little three month stints here and there, Mm -hmm. which I have done one of those over in France. But five weeks was a good, a good little break, good little family trip over the summer. And now things are getting a little bit back to normal over here. So what were your favorite places on your trip? What were your highlights? Well, I mentioned Zion. Zion was amazing. Like, to be honest with you, I never even heard of it before this trip. Like my wife kind of planned out where we were going in what order. And she she it was just, you know, kind of there between Vegas and, and Yellowstone. Uh, and it turned out to be both of our favorite places. And, and we would love to go back there for like a week. Mm-hmm. We were there for two nights and most of it was super stressful because of the camper situation. Unbelievably beautiful. The paved road where you can bike through it. Pretty amazing. There is one of the main things to do in Zion is called Angel's Landing. It's a hike and it was closed because of COVID. Mm. And our bike guide was telling us why. It's because there's places where it gets very, very narrow. And so you have to kind of be on top of people. And he was telling, and I don't know about you, but I'm pretty afraid of heights. <laughs> That's one of my things. There's a couple of times just driving through the mountains where I got a little, a little anxiety. But he was telling me about this one spot. You're almost to Angel's Landing to where it's for a few feet you're going. It's 28 inches wide and you look down one side, it's straight down 900 feet and you look down the other side, it's straight down 1100 feet. Mm-hmm. Like just the thought of that <laughs> makes me cringe so hard. But yeah, there's a lot There's a lot going on there in Zion and we definitely want to make it back there. Number two is probably Sedona, Sedona, Arizona, another just beautiful place. And then uh, Moab, Utah, and specifically Arches National Park was was definitely in the top three as well. Now that I think about it, those are all like red rock they places. Are. It's just so different than where I live. And maybe that's part of it. And it's just cool to be able to see things that are just so different than what I'm used mm. to. I mean, where I live here, it's, just, it's completely flat. <laughs> So anytime there's any terrain, it's something different than what I'm used to. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, my wife and I have done our last few trips. We've gone to New Mexico, San Diego, Tucson, Arizona. And every time I come back, uh, my patients are like, oh, you know, how was it? And I was like, it's good. But if you haven't gone there yet, you have to go to like Sedona and Zion National Park. I'm like, those are the 10 out of 10 places. And so just 100% agree with you on that. I should have ran my itinerary by you before we left. Oh, yeah. You're pretty well traveled. Yeah. And I've got a photographer friend in the online course space. Uh, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. Shout out to Tim Shields. And he was asking me about some of the places we were going. And, and he's a big time photographer. So he's been to all these places. And he also said Zion was mm-hmm. just the best place for taking pictures and is in one of his favorite places. But it's funny because I posted... When, when I got back, I, I posted a picture, one picture in the online course community, our Facebook group. And then I listed all the places that we had been through. And the picture I posted, I didn't say where it was from, but it was from Arches National Park uh, right outside of Moab. And it was this specific arch called the Double Arch. And and of course, Tim was the only one that he commented. He's like, oh, the Double Arches. I'm sure he's photographed it many times. Yeah. Well, on our trip, I mean, we went kayaking, hiking, ate tons of cheese because we were up in Wisconsin. uh, I'm just a total cheese fanatic. Really? So really enjoyed that. But the kind of funny part of a trip for me, this time I got to bring some of my own bikes. And so the rhythm of our trips, Val usually likes to just relax, do yoga, have some meditation time until about 9.15 in the morning. And I always wake up super early. And so I'll go out for a bike ride. But are you familiar with the app Strava? It's a little bit of an addiction of mine. I think it rings a bell. Tell me about it. Okay. Well, Strava is a social network essentially mm. for cyclists and runners where you every run or bike ride goes onto Strava and you can name it. You can add photos. People give you kudos, which is like the equivalent of likes and loves. Um, but the fun part of it is that it has this feature called segments, which is the basic idea is that anybody could run or bike through a section of a road or trail. Then they get back and look at their ride and you can select that section and turn it into a virtual race. Mm. And then Strava will look it back at every single person that's ever ridden their bike through that section and put them on a leaderboard from fastest to slowest. And so if you're the very fastest person on the leaderboard, you're called the king of the mountain or queen of the mountain. And then what's really funny about this thing is like, let's say that you were the king of the mountain of a segment near you and I came and I rode through it. Strava would actually send you this email that says, "Uh oh, David Crozy just stole your king of the mountain. And it's a little nasty gram email. I mean, it's kind of uh, provoking. Um, but essentially, that's I don't know, like I'm not competitive about everything. But this idea of racing segments just really um, initiated this competitive side of me. And I actually have a bunch of these king of the mountains. And so it was pretty funny. Like yesterday morning, I, I went out and I mountain biked. And uh, there was this section, a trail that I just went all out on. It's called the Hooten Hollow. And so at like 9.15 yesterday morning, I upload my ride. And sure enough, I stole a bunch of the, uh, a couple of these King of the Mountains. And then I actually Googled the guy that I took his spot. And, uh, and his name was Lance Armstrong, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it's this family practice doctor up in Duluth, Minnesota. And so it was just kind of a funny thing. Like I was just kind of chuckling, thinking like this guy at 915 in the morning gets these emails like, uh oh, David Crozy just stole your king of the mountains. So that was kind of a fun souvenir uh, is to think, OK, I have these couple crowns up there. Along that line, it's kind of similar story. But when I first started using Strava, um, I was more of a runner. And so there's this lake near my house and I went down there and and I ran around it as fast as I could. And I actually, for running, they call them course records, but I got the course record. And uh, like three hours later, I got the email. The dude that I'd taken it from had gone out and like took it back from me. 
And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so like, I, I didn't go out that same day, but I, the next Friday I went out and I like tried to beat him and I got it from him again. And like six hours later, I got the email again. It's like, he took it from me and I'm like, what? And so at that point I Googled this guy's name. Well, the guy was a, he's an obstetrician gynecologist. And so the funny thing I was thinking, I was like, I could just picture this guy. Like, let's say that I went and I stole his time at like 10, 15 at night. And then picture this guy, he's like in bed and his wife hears him getting out and putting on clothes. And she's like, honey, are you going to deliver a baby? And he's like, no, that butthole crozy just stole my course record again. Um, so, so yeah, Strava, if you're a runner cyclist, it is a fun way to uh, just like interact with that sport. It shows you the power of gamification too in apps. And yep. I know, I think some online course platforms are even starting to implement some gamification features as well. And I haven't, I don't have much experience with that. I definitely want to try to implement some sort of gamification into my courses uh, sometime in the future. Well, I wanted to ask you, um, are you competitive at all? Yes. What What <laughs> things bring out your competitive side? Uh, almost anything. Really? Yeah. I mean, you said you weren't very competitive, but then this brought it out in you. But yeah, I mean, I played all kinds of sports when I was younger. You know, like, I mean, even something simple, like, you know, I meet with Nate every week. And so, you know, we're competitive with our businesses. Really? Didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you just leapfrogged him for like a couple months, correct? Oh, yeah. Crushed him. I crushed him. <laughs> yeah. And I hope to never go back below him. Was there some trash talking there? Uh, just a little bit, just a little okay. bit. I don't, I, I don't think he's as competitive as me. So, look, I wanted to ask you. I mean, you you went on a, a smaller road trip here recently, and and just got back. When you're driving uh, long distances, what do you listen to in the car? Oh man. Um, well, when my wife and I are listening together, we listen to true crime shows. So we listen to the dating game show Killer and oh then goodness. Chasing Cosby, which uh, both of them pretty sick and twisted. But I have to say, they make the miles fly by, and then I definitely don't have any temptation to fall asleep at the wheel. As far as like, I try to find podcast episodes that will like inspire my wife. So lately I started listening to the Harmon Brothers podcast. Yeah. Um, those are the guys that did the uh, Squatty Potty commercial, a bunch of other funny commercials. And so like there was a episode about Lumi, which is, I guess, a deodorant for women's private parts. Really compelling story. And so I played that for my wife. And then also uh, just on this trip discovered J.P. Sears. Have you ever seen his little uh, movies? No. Super funny guy, but he has a podcast that was really inspiring. So we listened to an episode with Ben Greenfield on it and a couple others. Awesome. As far as business growth, I was listening to The Pumpkin Plan, which is mm. by one of your favorite authors. Yeah, uh, Mike Michalowicz. Mike Michalowicz. Oh, that's your yeah. first taste. Interesting. I, You know, I don't think that I've read The Pumpkin Plan, but isn't that the synopsis would be that... If like if you're growing a lot of pumpkins, like if there's one, you want to focus on like the one big pumpkin and like, am I getting this right? Have you gotten far into it? Yeah. I mean, essentially, yeah. You want to really focus in on your ideal customers and fire the ones, fire the ankle biters and the joy stealers. And then, I mean, the other thing is just that you have to create that unique solution, that unique selling point that stands out to your unique, your ideal customer. So really finding a way to differentiate your service above the others and make it sound like this new solution, often at a premium price. Yeah, very cool. I think I've read his three newer books, Fix This Next, Clockwork, and Profit First. Mm. And I've read Profit First several times, but I haven't dug into his older books like Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Surge, and then Pumpkin Plan. I think those are his six books. Yeah. So on this road trip, you know, obviously a big fan of podcasts and audiobooks. 
So I went through the dot-com secrets audiobook by uh, Russell Brunson, and I, I hadn't read that book in like four years. And so I was able to uh, listen to the new and updated version of that. And I really got into the concept of the value ladder and just trying to think of different products and courses and whatnot at different price points and different values along the customer journey for both of my businesses. And also read a book called uh, Capital Gains, which we were... And my wife listened to parts of that with me. So we were inspired after our first stop being in Waco, Texas to dig into their story a little bit. Chip and Joanna Gaines are quite famous, especially in those parts. They're house flippers and they had a show on, on HGTV and now they just have an empire. They have so many brands. They're in Target, they're, they're Magnolia brand. And then when you're in Waco, they have like their market, their coffee shop, their restaurant, like they have all kinds of things there in Waco as well. So we listened to the Capital Gains audiobook and it's amazing. Like partnerships don't always work, especially when your business partner is also your spouse. But it's amazing mm-hmm. how freaking well it worked in their case. And they were just such a perfect match for each other. And there's just so many times where like, especially early on where Chip was like, just so driven and he's just going after it, but then just like screwing things up and Joanna had to save everything. <laughs> yes. I actually listened to that myself. Oh, nice. And yeah, that was, that's, that's the main thing I remember is that he just like charged into things like a bull in a China shop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they just, they're just such a great match for each other. And then, uh, man, beyond that, you know what I listened to a lot was uh, just the Joe Rogan podcast. Do you ever listen to Joe mm-hmm. Rogan? Um, only when Elon Musk is on. <laughs> it's like the number one podcast in the world, right? But what I love about it, first of all, it's, every episode is like three hours. But it's just such an interesting mix of guests, right? So I feel like by listening to that podcast, I get well-rounded kind of content and, and a lot of times things I wouldn't normally be listening to. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of professors that come on and politicians and and MMA fighters and comedians and health people and business people. And it's just, it's kind of my little way. Like I don't watch the news. You know, I don't stay up really well up to date with uh, current events. And so that's kind of my way of that I've been doing that lately because he releases a lot of episodes and usually they'll release it the day after they record it. So mm-hmm. I can stay up to date with what's happening with, with the pandemic or with the civil rights stuff from all kinds of different perspectives. And so there's definitely a lot of listening to that on the trip as well. So can you recommend a specific episode? You know, I always want to know a specific episode if it's a podcast. Yeah, sure. He had Dr. Rhonda Patrick on shortly after the pandemic started because he was like, look, the media is just talking about how bad this is and how you have to stay home and this and that. And they're not talking about what we can do to boost our immune systems. And so that's why he brought her on. It's like they talked about health and how the best way to either prevent you from getting the virus or make it not affect you very much is to do all these things to boost your immune system. And the number one thing that she recommended was vitamin D. Mm. And that it seems like something like 80% of people that are in the ICU for COVID are vitamin D deficient and like 3% are actually have sufficient levels of vitamin D. So I listened to that one a couple months ago. I've been hitting the vitamin D hard, hard, hard since then, like 5,000 IUs a day of vitamin D. I actually just got my vitamin D levels checked a couple of days ago. And I'm pretty good. It could be even better though. So I'm working on that. So Dr. Rhonda Patrick, one more. He had on Kevin Hart recently. Comedian, you know, actor, so entertaining and such a good guy. That was a fantastic episode as well. Nice. I'll look those up. Look them up, man. So that's kind of what we listen to. You want to take a stab at how many miles we drove? Total, I would put it uh, 4,300. It was over 6,000 miles. 
No way. Over 6,000. Dude, 6,000 plus. I remember actually texting you at one point. I think it was when we were in Montana. So I was like, because you're, for those that don't know, you're a chiropractor by day. And so my back was just killing me from driving so much. I was like, hey, man, do you have any tips for driving? And I remember you gave me some tips and you're like, you know, is the Ford F-150 not too comfortable? And I don't think I even responded because I didn't want to tell you yet that we punted on the Ford F-150. Oh. But now you know the story. So, oh my gosh. yeah. That's so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't want to drive anywhere. Does your wife split the driving time? She did a little bit when I would ask her to, but I like driving too. And, you know, when I'm driving, she has to tend to the kids too, hand in the snacks and make sure their movies are playing and whatnot. So (laughs) uh, we made it work and it was good. No, no significant hiccups other than the RV, the camper not working out. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, What about a theme song for the trip? A theme song? Yeah. What do you mean by theme song? Just like I don't know. I mean, I'm sure at times you had music going or maybe there was a song that the kids were listening to. What was the when you look back on this trip and you were like, you hear this song 20 years from now and you're like, that's a trip. That was a trip. You know what it is? So we didn't listen to a ton of music. And sometimes like the kids would get sick of the movies and we would just put on like kids songs onto the radio. But I remember we were hiking through Yellowstone and we were just like, you know, we, we had our bear spray and we were doing all the things you're supposed to do, but there's a lot of unknowns. And I had my little one who's about to turn three on my back in a hiking backpack. And we're all just like kind of walking and we hadn't heard from her in a while. And all of a sudden she starts singing a Frozen song and it's <laughs> Into the Unknown. And it's like the big song from Frozen 2. And I just like turn around. I'm like, that is such an appropriate song right now, Into the Unknown. Oh, funny. And so we listened to that a ton in the car after that. It was pretty funny. Oh, funny. Yeah. Well, on our trip, we were driving back through Minneapolis and uh, apparently, so Prince passed away and they turned his compound or his home into a museum now. It's called Paisley Park. And there are all these billboards for Paisley Park. And so Val and I had to like pull up Prince on Spotify. And then uh, the song, my favorite Prince song is the song Kiss. And I always say it's my mopping song. Uh, When I was going to undergrad, I worked at the dining center and every Tuesday and Thursday, I would mop this entire dining room by myself. And the radio station, they would have playing for some reason Tuesdays and Thursdays somewhere in between two and four in the afternoon would play the song Kiss by Prince and uh, I'm telling you any of the listeners if you have to do some cleaning today you have to do some mopping or some sweeping <laughs> or some vacuuming Kiss is your song it's, it's perfect well there you go all right David well that was our recap let's get into the other topic that I wanted to get into today and I just wanted to tell a quick story about kind of this brand. And so three or four months ago, pandemic hits and my piano business blows up in a good way. And uh, I'm getting all kinds of new students, but not only am I getting a lot of new students, but I'm getting a lot of my older students reinvigorated, everybody staying home. And so one thing I started doing is I started doing a weekly Q&A, live Q&A for my piano students. And I'm still doing that because I started doing it and I just loved it. And I loved interacting with these people. And I just, there was something inside of me that felt like I had been neglecting these people for a couple of years while I focused on this online course guy brand. I've always been so motivated to turn Piano in 21 Days into a four-hour workweek style business and always was very proud of how little I worked on it. All the while, I've got over 5,000 students who can't get it, like can't get enough of my content, right? So I was like, man, did I start this other brand too soon? Have I been neglecting? them. I'm having so much fun with them right now, interacting with them. And I'm a big fan of focus too. And it's like, and also one of the months I looked at the numbers and I, you know, made revenue was over a hundred thousand dollars for piano and just a few thousand dollars for this side of things. And I'm like, 
maybe I should just stop doing it. <laughs> and I was talking through this with my friend Nate and he's like, yeah, I get you. Here's what you should do is just like really think about what it would look like and how you would feel if you did that. And I thought about it and I was like, I, I don't, it's hard to tell without doing it. So I kind of stepped back for a few weeks from this. We had built up a really nice backlog of podcasts several months ago. And so that's why there wasn't really a break in the podcast. But that is why there hasn't been any interviews or guests on the podcast lately is because I stopped doing those for a while. And so I did take a break from this for a few weeks and thoroughly missed it. <laughs> thoroughly missed it. And that's that's exactly what I needed to reassure myself that this is a path that I want to do. And people are always asking me like, what's next for you, Jacques? What are you doing next? And I'm like, look, I've got my piano brand over here and it's going great. And I love those people. And most of them love me as well. And then I've got this online course guy thing going on over here. And it's the online course show. And I've got my you know private students there, my paid programs. And I just love that as well. And so I'm just going to have to figure out how to make sure I'm giving both groups my all going forward and not do anything else. And I was telling somebody, I think yesterday, like if I can just continue doing these two things for the next 30 years, then I'm in great shape and I'm going to be living a great life. Yeah. Well, I'm thrilled you made that decision. Obviously, you know, for people that are listening, I started out as just this random guy that came across your podcast sometime early 2018 or late 2017 and, and just felt like it was so fun to listen to you and Nate talk about courses. Now I enjoy chatting with you, but, you know, looking at it from my perspective, it's like, you know, we had a, a guest a little while back that talked about doing these live uh, in-person retreats and people getting together. And obviously you've talked about going to ClickFunnels Live. I mean, certainly I feel like, you know, the idea of getting together in a live in-person thing would show just how much of a community you've built and people that appreciate getting to catch up to, up with you and just participate in your story. And so I do think that you've built a community of people that would really be be disappointed if you were to, to walk away from the online course guy. So yeah, I encourage you to just keep it up and keep helping people reach their dreams. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. And we do have quite a bit of new listeners to the podcast, by the way. The listenership has more than doubled since we last talked, David. So why don't you, for anybody new, give them a quick rundown on your course, like your, you as far as courses go. Sure. Um, well, my course is called Wellness Program Expert, and I'm a chiropractor um, in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, not too far from Chicago for our international listeners. And as a chiropractor, I started a practice. Um, I took out all this debt and opened the doors, and I knew two people in the town and thought that it was going to be easy, and it turned out to not be. It was actually in the 2008 recession. Things were slow. And so I started doing all this types of marketing, throwing money at Google, Facebook, nothing really worked. And so finally, I tried doing what's called a lunch and learn, which is just going out and providing lunch for a, a business in my community, telling stories, getting people to laugh, educating them about how their bodies work and how chiropractic can help them. And people would come in and schedule. And, and some of the people, I, I still have patients from the very first lunch and learn I ever did that come in as patients today. And so I found this thing that, that brought me success when I found Jacques course, I had no, no interest in creating a course. I just, to tell the story again, I had binge listened to how I built this, which is a great podcast about business growth and success. And I typed into Apple podcasts, like business growth, business success stories and Jacques podcast showed up and I was like, all right, this guy looks all right. Let's, let's give it a listen. And next thing you know, he and Nate Dodson had completely convinced me that I needed to create a course. And so uh, my course is just, you know, 
I would tell people that I am not the hugest success in the world, but I found one thing that brought me a lot of success. It had brought in hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to my business. And so I said, you know, I can teach other people my my success formula. And so I've gotten that off the ground. It's, uh, well, honestly, it's on hold a little bit right now because of the pandemic. I mean, around the country, some people are bringing in food trucks or bringing in like icy trucks and doing little uh, lunch and learns outside. But um, my course is on hold a little bit as far as my main wellness program expert course, but I can see a path to greater success. And I really feel like my main my main job as a chiropractor is a dream job as well. So kind of like you saying, you have two things. You're allowed to have two passions. There are times when I'm like, my course hasn't taken off hugely, but you know what? I love my main job too. It's fun. Very cool, man. Yeah. Like I said, we have some new listeners here, so I wanted them to get caught up. You know, Most of them are probably caught up on my story if they're listening to this podcast, but if they're wondering, who's this co-host guy? Who's the who's Dr. K? You, you do have a course as well. And the reason that we've got some new listeners is because of a couple of pretty good size uh, podcasts that I was on here recently. And I've mentioned that on previous episodes, but Choose FI, which stands for Financial Independence, you've been listening to that podcast for a long time. And it's funny, a couple of years ago, you actually reached out to them saying that they should have me on as a guest. And I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> yeah, I reached out to them twice yeah. before we put it all together. I left them two different voicemails on their little system. I was like, because the first time I reached out to them, I don't think I knew that you and your wife had paid off your house and that was what let you be open a course. Right. So I reached out to them first and I was just like, hey, like online courses could be a path for people to reach by as a side hustle or main gig. And then once I learned that you paid off your house on your path toward becoming a full-time course creator, I was like, guys, there's this extra part of the story. You guys got to get this guy on. Yeah, I appreciate that. And so a couple of years after that, they did have me on and that was a lot of fun. And it's fun to see everybody's kind of process for podcasts as well. And then of course, the Smart Passive Income and several people have been asking me like, how'd you get on there? And the way that I did it was he's got another podcast called Ask Pat and you just kind of apply and, and kind of get coaching from him. And the first thousand episodes was you leaving a voicemail and then he would answer it. And then once he got to episode a thousand, he actually talked to you one on one. And so I was actually on it like episode two originally years and years and years ago. And then once he switched to just like coaching, I was on it two times. And one of those two times as we're talking, he just stopped. He's like, wow, this is an awesome story. We should have you on the SBI podcast one day. And I was just like, kind of speechless when he said that because that was probably a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I just, I knew that would just be such an honor. And so once I finished talking to him on Ask Pat, I immediately ran out and was like, babe, guess what Pat Flynn told me? And I was so excited about that, but like I never heard anything. So I waited and waited and waited. And sometimes you can't just sit back and wait for things to happen. You got to make things happen too. So eventually I'm like, screw it. And I put together an email to his executive assistant and put a list of things like a value I thought I could bring to the SPI audience and also linked to the specific timestamp of where Pat Flynn specifically said, we should have you on the podcast. And she pretty much immediately responded. She was like, oh yeah, Pat definitely wants to have you on. Let's get it scheduled. So it was that easy for me. And so those are two podcasts that I listened to and it was such an honor to be on both of them. Definitely. Well, I listened to that uh, episode. I thought it was great. It was hard for me to listen to it from the perspective of somebody new to your story because I've been following your stuff for quite a while here. But Pat also said, that he was like searching for piano in the context of like learning his kids learning piano. And he said that like one of the videos that you put out how to learn piano in four minutes kind of like reintroduced him to you. And uh, I love that part. I was just cracking up about that. 
yeah, it was a fun experience for sure. So uh, that's going to do it. That's our road trip recap, as well as the time when the online course guy was almost canceled. So thanks everyone for listening to another episode. And thank you, Dr. David Crozy, for joining me yet again. For all the notes and links from today's episode, you can find those by going to the online course guy.com slash 143. And for plenty more resources for your path to online course success, whether you're a complete beginner or you have a course already, I've got something for either one of you. Head over to the onlinecourseguide.com to check out more resources. Then thanks again, everyone. We'll talk next week. 